welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. All right, we are in a series that I started. Does anybody know what it's called? Okay, good for you. This will be the fifth message of Foundation Stones. I am very excited about this, as I've reiterated, being fast because that they didn't know. Believing that some people, am I the only one? Uh, specifically in the things of the kingdom. I just assume like, oh yeah, you heard that message about the, this revelation, why don't you get this? And I realize that there are things that I have preached two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven years ago that I just assumed that because I preached it that people heard it. Even people that didn't know I was preaching eleven years ago. I just assumed that everybody that goes to church here went back and listened to everything I preached, got it all in their heart, Got the revelation of it, so then I can just talk to you when you come up and say, hey, I got this problem. Oh, hey, well, let me give you the, the reference. And I know you think that that's probably uh, a very immature thing to do, but, man, sometimes I just kind of believe that people are really passionate about stuff. So recognizing that I put myself in a ton of problems over many years, making assumptions about what people know and don't know. The Lord has guided me towards this process of laying out, and it might take a while, which I'm totally fine with, laying out some of the premises, some of the foundational premises, doctrines, theologies, precepts, concepts, that we, as part of Beloved Church, but also part of the greater body of Christ, the kingdom of God, should have in our hearts and in our lives as reference points, as stable places that we know we can stand on. If you know you can stand on a solid footing, then you will have confidence to take the next step. If you don't know that the ground is stable, it will be very difficult for you to move. When running on, sitting on the beach one of the times, there was everyone before I was a walker, and that would be running on the beach. The last thing, the most torturous thing that I thought that any runner would ever do is run on sand. Like running by itself is already borderline torturous. But then you do it on sand. Like, dear Lord, like just cut a foot off. It, It'd be easier to lose weight that way. And then you've got a cane or something. Because you're just grinding through the sand and it's hard. And, you, and obviously the reason that people do it is the reason that I'm saying that it's terrible is because it adds extra work and extra labor and makes you, your workout probably go faster. But I was looking at it as in if I don't know where my foot's going to fall, especially in sand, there's broken beer bottles, there's... It's hot. I got tender feet. <laughs> and it just reminded me of how many people, the way they walk through life, it's kind of like sand. They're trudging through it. It gets all over their stuff. It gets in the crevices of their toes and grinds in there. And, sand should never be in any crevice, ever. The most ornate, expensive, and exquisite structure is only as good as the weakest part of its foundation. When you drive by something, you're like, wow, look at that structure. Wow, look at that thing. It's only as good as the weakest part of its foundation. Not that many years ago in Freeport, they had to uh, 
demolition Freeport City Hall at great expense, great expense, millions of dollars, millions, because one corner of that building when they built it, not built, does anybody know? Um, ground of it was not built well, slowly was sinking over time and deteriorating eventually like I said, to the tune of millions of dollars for the taxpayers. Yay, government, go. They had to demolition it. And now they're in a rented facility. Foundation is incredibly important. And very few people work on this. They usually work on the problem that's right in their face right now. Let's just get this knocked out and move on to the next thing. And because we've never done the the really important work of laying good, solid, strong, healthy foundation, we're always chasing the ornate stuff. Paint the room. Well, I don't like that color. Paint the room. Oh, there's a scratch. Paint the room. Fix the foundation. And then you can paint all you want, but fix the foundation. The prettiest and most popular person is only as good as the weakest part of their foundation. Don't believe me? Don't make me start naming Hollywood names. Oh, this actor is the most awesome actor ever. Sexiest man in the world. Great millions of dollars for one role in one movie. Oh, look who's a terrible person. Look who just got caught doing stuff that I don't even want to say from a pulpit. And how many people worshipped him? How many people followed him? How many people, that was my greatest actor friend ever. And then their character, their foundation was exposed. It would be better to have a good solid foundation, a good solid character, have virtues in your life than to be pretty and popular. The quickest and easiest way to destroy is damage or destroy the foundation from come through here to fix the roof. It's a roof. Fix it. Move on. But you could have one incident happen to the foundation of this building, and we are going to have tons of work. If you remember the Oklahoma City building bombing, which may or may not have been the government, all you have to do is strike at the foundation of a building in order to change the entire integrity of the building. If you want to, I don't care how large, I don't care how strong, I don't care how secure the building is, if you strike the foundation well enough, you can bring the whole building down. And some of the reasons that Christians crumble under what seems like to some of us small problems, small situations, what makes people crumble is because they never did that strengthening of their foundation. They never laid a solid foundation so then when the storms of life came, they blew over. One of the differences between wisdom and impetuousness is the amount of effort invested at the beginning of the project. Fast, cheap, low effort. These are words that they put on the fronts of packages now. Why? Because they sell. I want it fast. I want it cheap. I want it easy. That's what I want. I'll pay for that. Steve Castle paid for that. I'll give you my story. I needed a <laughs> I got a two-car garage and a lawnmower and a snowblower and you don't get two cars and a lawnmower and a snowblower in a two-car garage. It's two cars. And so, I'm like, you know, I need to put a shed up. 
And really what I wanted to do is I wanted to put a shed kind of on the corner of my property, put a nice one, you know, kind of build a foundation and put one of those nice wooden ones and maybe even run some electricity in there so I could build some wooden thing. <laughs> or just go out there and play, like Kay's thinking I'm out there doing man stuff. What are you doing? I'm in the shed, baby. <laughs> doing what? I was picking my nose. <laughs> And, you know, I was like, man, I, I don't know, it's a lot of effort. I got to dig, uh, get a ditch witch and dig uh, electrical out there and do all that. And I'm not super awesome at doing electrical. For some reason, make a circle doesn't really make a circle in my head. And so sometimes <laughs> I make like figure eights and then they pop breakers. I don't know what that's all about. So, and then on top of it, the expense, like, digging electric out there, putting concrete, buying a shed or buying the wood. I'm like, man, I, I don't know about all this. And then I'm at Menards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Durable plastic shed. Hold the phone, baby. I've got a solution we're both going to love, honey. This is cheap. And I can like whip this sucker together. I can put plastic stuff together with the best of them. When I was in college, uh, Bible college the first time, because it didn't take, so I had to go again. But when I was in Bible college the first time, one of my little side gigs to make ends meet was to put together the solder. For and you guys know what I'm talking about? Back when that first came out, this is together. And... Yeah, I made easy as it is now. Now it's like put A into B and turn this screw and you're good to go. Back then, it like these were pages of putting this solder furniture together. And for some reason, I was good at it. I could follow instructions, one, two, three, do this first, do this. I was good at it. And so I got hired by people from the Bible college and at the ministry to put their stuff together because they bought it cheap, but they didn't want to do the work. No problem. I'll put it together. And so putting a plastic shed together, pff, one eye closed. I've got tools. <laughs> That's right. Knock that sucker out. Probably two hours. <sighs> and I might have put it together not where I wanted it. But it was plastic, so I was able to easily just push it over to where I wanted it. Second bonus, <laughs> you can move it around whenever you want. Yeah, this is an awesome story. I live on Breezeway. <laughs> Breezeway Drive is where, my, is where my house is, which is right next to Gusty Trail. <laughs> Breezeway, Gusty Trail, my house. It's a reason they name it Breezeway and Gusty Trail. So in the middle of winter, While the lawnmower is in the shed, I have a John Deere riding mower. It's kind of heavy. I'm a strong guy, and I can't pick it up. On Breezeway, the wind is stronger than the shed. Somehow, I don't know. This was at night. I didn't watch it. Somehow, the wind itself, all by itself, picked up my shed, carried it over into my yard, and drop it with the lawnmower in it. Did I tell you? And I came out the next morning with the doors, like one's half waving off and the other one's banging. Lawnmower's three quarters of the way out with a drift on it. You know, it's not easy to fix that mess in the middle of winter in the middle of your yard. So I had to do all the work and shovel out and do the thing and get the lawnmower started. Oh, I had the battery out of it and I had the, you know, the gas tank emptied so you could store it. So I had to do all that in the cold. It was like 200 below or something. <laughs> Finally got it up there. This time I'm smart. And so I drill a couple of bolts into my foundation of my garage. Foundation. 
put a couple of lag bolts into the foundation of my garage, big old concrete reinforced. That's right, this sucker ain't going nowhere now. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> now the doors broke off and the other one has a one broken hinge. So now I'm ghetto boy <laughs> on Snob Hill Breezeway Drive, which is where we live. So the lesson is, <laughs> don't buy a plastic shed. <laughs> or maybe easy, fast and cheap is not the way to build your spiritual life. And many Christians do it that way. Easy, fast, and cheap. What's easy, fast, and cheap? <clears throat> Filter through your spiritual experience and see if easy, fast, and cheap fits into some of the... You know what's hard? And you'll... You know what's hard? You know what's hard? Discipleship. Really connected to a local body that's doing things. Yep. It's easy, fast, and cheap. Kind of come and go, not be super invested, not have to do all that discipleship stuff. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Listens and follows. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, not a person who builds a plastic shed. Then the rain comes in torrents, or blizzards, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beats against that house and it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock or because it's not plastic. Verse 26, but anyone who hears my teaching, the word teaching here in the Greek is, is based on the word logos. Logos is where we get the word for word, W-O-R-D, logos, word. So the word of God is the logos of theos. And he said, whoever listens to my teaching, Logos, I want you to tie in the word of God with the words of Jesus. Jesus is the word. His words are the word. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a plastic shed on his sand. And then when the rains come, or the blizzards and the floods come, the winds beat against that shed, and it collapses with a mighty crash and makes your lawnmower have a drift on it. 1 Peter chapter 2, as you come to him, Jesus Christ, the living stone, rejected by men, the world rejects the best stuff. If the world rejects... Why do, if the world rejects the best stuff, you based upon the world's opinion of us. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and precious in God's sight, you also, as living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, in Scripture, the Word of God, Logos. See, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who believes in him will never, God word, be put to shame. If you have shame in your life, it is attached to who you believe in. Isaiah 28 is where this is quoted from. And if you look in Isaiah 28 and do the cross-reference, the term put to shame is the term shaken. Will never be shaken. This is a foundation statement. 
The word information, I like to break it apart in formation. I put in dash formation. What in formation has built the foundation of your life and your thinking? What you hear, what you see, what you believe in forms your foundation. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, my, my aspiration is to cover this. But understand that is terrible. But understand this. Bible. Amen. Now, this is where most people put on their end times face and they get all freaked out. And they're ready to buy spam, bottled water, and build a bomb shelter. We had spam in Hawaii. It's a thing there. Like little spam sandwiches. It's like highbrow. We called it, they called spam sushi. Like, you know it's spam, right? Like, I grew up on government money. Government peanut butter, spam, government cheese. Like, it's not really high class. Like, in Hawaii, it's high class, just so you know. If you ever go to Hawaii, spam, it's a big deal. But under, actually, it's a big deal. You got to do that. Uh, in the last day, terrible times will come. Terrible means terrible. But please note, times. Times. It's not all the last days are terrible. In the last days, how long is the last days? So far, 2,023 years. We're in the last days, y'all. After the ascension, you, we can do different math, but after the ascension, we went into the end times. This is why a lot of people's eschatology is jacked up. They don't realize that the end time started the day Jesus left. The angel said, he'll come back. Okay, we're in the end times. But we think that, well, now it's 2000. Now it's really the end times. Because 1999, I mean, even Prince knew that, you know, there, he was going to party like it was 1999. <laughs> It's not more end times now than it was end times then. We're later in the end times. I'm not arguing that. But we're in the end times, the last days. Terrible times. And if you do a, just a quick, the different use of the word times, I'm not even, it doesn't need to be deep exegesis in the New Testament. Look at the different uses of it. You leave momentary. They were very small moments. And we've turned this times, we, we've taken this language, put that back up, please, Mary. We, we've taken this statement that terrible times will come in the last days, and we think that the, in the last days, that's all times. That's not true. If you're, all of your days are terrible, you're doing something wrong. I said that in a minister's conference one time to a bunch of ministers. They didn't like it. So if your ministry, if you don't like your ministry, if you don't like getting up serving people, if you, if it's really hard, it's really terrible, and you, you're struggling with it, you're doing it wrong. Amen. I couldn't wait to get back. In fact, if it was up to me, Kay and I would have flew back here Sunday. It would have been way better for us to be here. I, I don't. One of the reasons I don't like to go away is I love you guys. It, does that mean that everything is rainbows and butterflies in Jesus with all y'all? No, you know some of you. Yeah, now, now I'll try to shepherd some of you. <laughs> right. There's, there's, with some of you, there's been terrible times. <laughs> Don't laugh. Nobody will know. Times. Times. There's been moments. And some of you... Those moments are shorter than others. But the reality is, is that I love doing life with you guys. We should love doing life with each other. And are there going to be moments? Yeah. Kay and I love each other more than I got language to express. And we have moments. If, listen, if you're married to me, you're going to have a moment. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. I know me. Even with the be married to me, God bless Kay. 
You, even with the best people, you know, I still have moments with Jesus. There's things, I read the Bible sometimes, I'm like, I don't like that. Like, God cares. Right. Oh, well, what should it say, son? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I don't get to say, well, this is my money, God. I want to do what I want to do with it. God's like, oh, okay, sorry. I thought I was Lord. Hello? There's times I read stuff, whew, I got to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you want to do. Now, as you get your heart in line, then when God asks you to do stuff, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. That's cool. Let's do that. Still not looking forward to it. But some of the best things that you can do for your life, you don't look forward to. Anybody look forward to saving? <laughs> no, because you know you're taking money out of play. Anybody ever look forward to a workout? Yay, I can't wait to sweat and groan and grind and feel like I'm going to puke. Yay. You, you don't do that. But those things are good. Anybody look forward to doing maintenance on their cars and paying the money for it? No, but you know what's better? Doing the maintenance so it don't do the braking. Yeah. Braking's really expensive and really inconvenient. Yes. Maintenance, way better. But you don't look forward to doing it. Some of the best things in life you don't look forward to, but they're the most important. The terrible times are going to come. Did you hear it? Did you see it? I didn't write it. They're going to come. But they're times. And if you do what you need to do with your foundation, when those times come, they're not going to blow over your shed. Good times. Men in our society, weak men. So many weak men in our society today. Weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. Strong men make good times. What are you going to do at the terrible times? Get stronger. Verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. Notice 4. This might be one of the most important words in this entire chapter. What causes the terrible? God told you, little secret, if you read your Bible and actually read it, study it, you're going to learn a lot of clues from heaven that you wouldn't otherwise get. God tells us why Terrible times come. Every terrible time that everybody in this room has ever had has been caused by a person. Now, for most of us, it's us. Find that person in the mirror. But either way, it's a person that caused your terrible times. It's not God. We all know that. We've got good enough doctrine around here to know that God is the giver of good gifts. He's the father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning and every good gift comes down from him is what James told us in James chapter 1. If it's good, if it's a good gift, if it's a blessing, it's from God. Cancer is not a blessing. Sickness is not a blessing. Brokenness is not a blessing. None of those other things are, from, are a blessing. Please don't call evil things God. Well, I learned how to get closer to God during this cancer. Well, God bless you. Way to go. You took the terrible times, and you did something good with them. But don't say the cancer's from God. Because you could have got close to God without the cancer. Amen. All the terrible times are because people with this list of characteristics are in this world. You want to know why things are terrible in the world? There you go. Four. Number one. Men will be lovers of themselves. Look what's at the first of the list. The blue book. <laughs> Self-centeredness right there. Top center. Number one. And I know we all got it licked. 
Amen. Lovers of themselves. Phylos is the Greek word for, the, for lover here. And phylos is friendship, brotherly love. So it doesn't just mean like, hey, I want to, I don't know, I want, I want new shoes that don't have holes in them. You're not a lover of yourself because you want shoes without holes in them. It means that what you are doing is you're literally putting that plate, those, those desires, those things in a place of covenant friendship with you. A committed relationship. So that you can benefit you. Well, I could, I could wash the dishes for Kay, which will cost me, you know, 20 minutes and I got to I sweat like a pig when I wash dishes. I gotta take my shirt off, I gotta do the dishes and, and then get all the sweat back off me and then put my shirt back on and do all that. I gotta, or I can just like, hey, do the dishes. You serving another person is at the expense of you serving you. So loving others is the contrary loving you. The, the opposite you are than you loving you. And find out how much you actually legitimately, not for gain, not for personal gain, but served another person. Hallelujah. Number two, lovers of money. They're kissing cousins. Because money equals power authority, influence, but it also can determine your comfort. More money, the more comfort you can purchase. And so loving what can give you authority or power and loving what can bring comfort into your life is going to be the reason that terrible times are going to come to other people and you. Boastful. This is a person who professes something they don't possess. I would be very careful about what you profess. Because if you don't possess it, you have initiated a spiritual principle for that thing to not have the ability to grow in your life. Arrogant. And this doesn't just mean arrogant like that picture of that guy that you got on TV playing the role of being arrogant. Arrogant is a person who actually believes that they are something outside of the grace of God. It's a good way to put it. I am what I am by the grace of God. It's not my awesome education. It's not my super wealthy upbringing. It's not my whiteness. It's not my, it's not whatever the grace of God you got. It's the grace. It's the grace of God. It compels me to do stuff. I want to be studied. I am a voracious learner. I am nearly always studying something. I am learning something. I am a the way that I would, I would define myself is I'm like a general practitioner. My doctorate is general practitioning, which means I know a little bit about a lot, and I don't know a lot about a little. There's specialists. If you've got a problem with your ear, go to the ear, nose, and throat guy. I, I'm, my job is to know a lot or a little about a lot so I can point people in the right direction. So I'm a voracious learner in all these areas, but the grace of God is what compels me to do that. I don't have any more assets than anybody else in this room. I got the same brain, same access to the Holy Spirit as everybody else in this room. A person who leans more into the grace of God has more come out. The next one is abusive here in the BSB. This is the Greek word blasphemos, which literally means blasphemy. This is where we get the word blasphemy. But what blasphemy 
one of the implications of this particular usage of that word is that you are implicating God. When there's a problem in your life and you're like, God, you're, this is actually like abusive towards God or towards the people of God. How about towards spiritual leaders? That, well, if I wouldn't have done what that stupid preacher said in that dumb sermon, I wouldn't be in this mess. You might want to check it. Maybe it wasn't the bad message. Maybe it was the bad application. Anybody ever heard the right thing but did it the wrong way? Disobedient. Paul just was like, what is that doing there? Throw out bad adjectives. It's like Paul just was like, have this isn't just for kids, y'all. <laughs> Amen. And it's not just for natural parents. You know, God gave you biological parents and he has made spiritual parents available to all of you. Some of you may not have any, but that's not because God left you an orphan. Amen. Obviously, you cannot be obedient to spiritual parents that you don't have. Uh, ungrateful. Used to be back when I was a kid, you'd call someone an ingrate, and it was an insult. Now if you call someone an ingrate, they're like, that's right, I ain't grateful for nothing. Terrible country, terrible time, terrible people. Now it's popular. The more ingrate you are, the more popular you can become. You will not have what you do not express gratitude for. If I am not thankful for you, this church will be taken from me. If I'm not thankful for my wife, she could be taken from me. If I'm not thankful for the things that I have in my life that God has provided by his mercy, by his shed blood, if I am not grateful for those things, they are easily taken from me. You protect things that you value. What you don't value, you are ungrateful for. And don't tell me, no, I'm really grateful for it. I just don't express it and I don't think it. Mm. Unholy. Holy in the Greek is the word hagios. In your modern, this is a little pet peeve of mine, but every time you see the word, that word saint in your modern translation, I have no idea why the translators, scripture translators, translated hagios, holy ones, into the word saint, other than it was driven by denominational models. We are actually called by God the holy ones. One of the reasons that I think that the scripture struggled with it was because in the Old Testament, the term holy ones was nearly always applied towards divine entities. Angels, divine counsel, things like that were called the holy ones. And so I think in the New Testament, some of the translators were a little bit concerned about calling you part of the divine council or part of the, the divine family, so they translated it saints so we wouldn't make the connection. But here I am telling you the Greek, make the connection. We're supposed to be the holy ones. I would, I would pray that your neighbors, that your coworkers, your family, could make that designation about you as well. This is who we're called to be. It is part of our identity. The terrible times that we've experienced is because there are some people that are unholy. Please don't be one of those people. And the word holy, hagios, means separated for divine use. Separated for divine use. 
In verse 3, the first one is unloving. And unloving has the Greek word storge in there. Storge, what one of the types of love that is the God kind of what all of us know more for the person being loved than you care for yourself. And then there's phylos, which is brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, it's a brotherly or a covenant love. A friendship love is usually the best terminology for it. And friendship love actually does have performance in it. It's not wrong. You're obviously going to be friends with people who are friendly with you. That's Agape is a love that is uh, universally applied because God shed his love abroad in you and you didn't deserve it, and so you give people undeserved love. That's agape. But philo is a love that actually has, you know, if I'm friendly to you, you're going to be friendly with me. I'm, I'm very, very um, calculated with my intimate relationships. I do not let folks in my circle that aren't going to value that place. And that they don't uh, live in such a way that they want those things reciprocated. And that's not wrong. You shouldn't be friends with everybody in the whole world just, just because. That's not what that means. Philo is friendship, covenant, and it's also brotherly love. But another term of love in Greek is storge. Storge is family love, familia love. This is me for my children. It's, it's not based on performance, but it has a performance thing. It's not just agape, but there is agape in there. It's kind of a, a mingling of these things, and it comes from the literal, natural aspects of biological family. You feel differently about your the parents in the room. You feel differently about your child than you do about my child. If your kid did something and my kid did something stupid, the average, which I know kids never do that, but if your kid did something and say, well, that did something stupid, the average parent will justify why I do that. It's, it's storge because you feel differently about your blood kin than you do, and sometimes this has positive and negative implications, but that's this word unloving. So terrible times come because families aren't families. Think about that. Look about look what's going on in the world. The, the communist, socialist, governmental systems want your children to be more committed to them than parents. They pass laws in Canada, in California, in Oregon, in New York, in New Jersey, and, and probably other places that I don't even know about. They've literally passed laws that says that you do, as a, as a public school employee, you are literally protected keeping secrets with the children from their parents. From their parents. We literally have a system built to divide storge love. Terrible times come because of unloving people. Unforgiving. How uniquely the Holy Spirit tried to deal with that this morning. What Pastor Craig said that I didn't see anybody respond to, which, I mean, maybe you did. But I know that there are conflicts and there's stripes and there's contentions in this room and you just won't deal with it. That is unforgiving. Terrible times come to you and other people because you won't do it. You ain't going to do it. They're at fault. Yep. It's all their fault. Even though it takes two. He forgave you. Thank God Jesus doesn't deal with you. Thank God he forgave you. Slanderous. This, this has become so commonplace in today's world that we almost don't even recognize it anymore. Oh, so-and-so lied about so-and-so? Whatever. A hundred years ago, somebody would do something like that. You lied about me? It'd be fisticuffs or 
they'd go to a duel. It hadn't been that long. You get your pistol, I'll get my pistol. You said something terrible about me. Ten, ten paces, turn and fire. Somebody's dying. You didn't do that. Now, you almost can't talk about another person without throwing in a, well, you know what they probably do when nobody's looking. We, we just throw slander around like it's part of the nature of our world today. Let, let me just say one word and prove it. Politics. Without self-control, has anybody paid attention to what's going on in our world right now? It is wheels off in nearly every area. There, the, the ability to control a person's behavior is almost non-existent at this point. I'm a people watcher. It's like if I had a pastime, that'd be it, which makes sense, you know, when you're at an airport in L.A. <laughs> the way that people do their lives without control. There is no control on them. There was a... Man, I don't know if I want to say this. I probably better not. Without self-control. It, it is part of the kingdom of God. It is one of the gifts of our not controlling life to be, have the ability to control self. On purpose, rejecting the work. If you are not controlling self and you cannot have an addiction without giving up self-control. Brutal. This, a bunch of these things in this list were hapex legomenon, which you've heard me say before, which is a single-use word in the New Testament. This is one of those single-use words, brutal. And this means not tame. It has one definition. This is the only definition. It means not tame. Not tame. So the difference between like a wild cat, a feral cat, and a cat which I know they're both bad, but one's worse. This means, think about applying that towards your life. Do you have things in your life, the way that you do your life, are they tamed or are they out of control? Are they wild? It's, it's kind of popular today to have out of control wild things. We think, it's, uh, we think it's the advancement, it's the progressive, modern way of doing life. Wild, animalistic. They just had a gathering in, I think it was in London, of 400, what are they called? Dog, dog people, people that believe they're dogs. Canine, canine fur, yeah, canine, but just canines, canine furries. They all gather together, 400 of them, and they want rights from the government. They want rights because they're dogs, people dogs. And I know you're thinking like, oh, come on, is it? Do you think that 300 years ago, if 400 people who pretended they were dogs got together somewhere, do you think they would have survived? Like culture would have came and said, stop it. You got a tail? Right? Like when I was three, I thought I was a dog for like five minutes, like run around and bark until someone kicks you in the face like a big brother. You're not a dog. Okay. You're right. Not a dog. You're not a dog. You're a people. Without love of good. Never in my life have I seen more people call evil good and good evil than in today. Terrible times come. Terrible times come when you call evil good, good evil. Traitorous. This, uh, this hurts a lot. I get it. And it's pretty common today for people to just stab you in the back. 
It's still going to happen. If Jesus had one of his closest intimate friends stab him in the back, you ain't no better than Jesus. It's going to happen. Terrible times come. Terrible times come because of treacherous people. What are you going to do about it? I would encourage you to not be one. Reckless. You know what reckless is? Impulsive. Impulsive. We have entire categories that we live our lives impulsively. I'm going to impulsive shop. I'm going to impulsive eat. Don't ever go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Why? Because you'll do impulsive things. You'll buy stuff you're not supposed to buy. Conceited. This is awesome. If you look this up, the Greek word means to blow smoke. <laughs> Literally means to blow smoke. You're, you're conceited. You're like puffed up. You're like full of smoke. And then when somebody reaches out to grab you, like, it's not really there. You know, I thought it was about, you know, characteristics in people that I'm talking about. It's like, it's, it's there. I thought it was there, but it's not really God. Boy, howdy. This is pretty much the designation of what I would say our times are. They are way more committed to chasing pleasure than chasing God. Every time you're chasing pleasure, you are running away from God. Yep, got quiet. All of these are summarized by having a form of godliness but denying its power. I've heard preachers use that term in lots of different ways that don't apply. In context, that term is being applied towards all of these things above it, which is having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Turn away from such as these. How clear is that? Do, do you need... Deep uh, doctrinal theology teaching to pull that apart? Or is that pretty darn clear? Turn away from such as these. Now, beloved, this is so important. And I'll end here and pick this up later. Praise God. Cover the whole chapter. Way to go, Steve. <laughs> Five verses. Amen. It could be like Doc Ryan and just go 45 minutes lower. <laughs> Amen. Shut up. <laughs> I won't. <clears throat> Turn away from such as these. Do you know that we have a command by Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, love our neighbor, the head of the church. We have a command to love our neighbor, salt and light, to go find the most broken, the most evil, the most destitute people on this planet, and to go insert ourselves into their lives and try to rescue them from their darkness and rescue them from their own personal damnation. We have a command in Scripture to do that, and multiple of them. It's called the Great Commission. <clears throat> So which is it? Turn away from such as these or go be with such as these? Let me help you. The such as these are Christians that are doing that. You go look at that list again and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, all them evil people out there that aren't saved. Mm-hmm. You keep on thinking that. You know unsaved people automatically by nature, sin. So, is that surprise? Surprise! Sin or sin. Evil people do evil stuff. Wickedness leads to wickedness. Broken people break people. But for people who call upon the name of the Lord and live this way, we are supposed to shun them so far that their isolation and loneliness compels them back into right standing with God and his body. Amen. 
And you know how many times I have been chastised by good Christians because I have held people accountable in the church for living righteously. You should be more loving, Pastor. Yep, I should be. I should be more like Jesus. Take a whip. Or give the scriptures on why we're supposed to turn away from people who specifically make choices in their life and still call to them lovingly. When people met with a 12 gauge, I'm saying we are supposed to go to people who are living this way. Christians, self-professed Christians, we're supposed to go to these people and say, why are you living in such a way? Please repent. Please turn from living this way and live the way that is congruent with you calling on the name of the Lord and carrying the character of God. And if they refuse, Matthew chapter 18, if they refuse, we are supposed to remove them from our fellowship. The problem is, in today's world, we remove them from our fellowship. They'll just go down the street and get into another fellowship, and they'll be totally accepted because the church is supposed to be a place where all the broken people are accepted, and you can stay broken here for 40 years, and we'll just love you. That's not okay. If you're 20 years into Christianity and you're still broken, you're doing it wrong. And someone needs to whoop your tailbone. If, you're, if your baby, who's 22 years old, is still pooping their diapers... You're a bad parent. You're a bad parent. And someone needs to tell you that. And you need to correct your parenting because you're damaging that child. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. If you come in here and you have one of those kind of things going on in you, you need to be chastised. And you need to have these things removed from your life because you're hurting other people around you, other people that love you, that don't want to see your life being destroyed by those kind of choices. And we'll bring that correction, we'll bring that knowledge to you. And if you refuse it, obviously they refused it, they had a form of godliness, but they denied, denied as a personal choice. You said, nope, I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live in God's definition for what my life is. I know I'm a boy, but I feel like a girl. If you're going to just openly rebel at what God has given you available, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, so God made you a boy, you should be a boy. And then you say, feel, this is what I says, or I don't care what God did. Love is love. We do this a lot, and we accept it in Christianity, which promotes it. And we should have a standard. There should be a way that we carry ourselves, and we hold other people for carrying ourselves. Otherwise, what separates us from the world? Nothing. We're just like them. If, you, if you're a castle, a born castle, not that Stacy's not a castle, I'm just saying. Like, if you're a castle, you live in our house, Hannah and Gunner knew that this is how things worked at our house. They didn't, like, they weren't surprised when we, when we held them accountable for how things work at the castle house. You know, our kids never had a curfew. We told them what time we went to bed. And if they woke me up, I was going to kill them or take them halfway close to death. <laughs> so they just figured it out. At the castle house, they go to sleep at such and such. We better make sure. And they did. The, the, things should work inside the house. Now, what about the household of God? Yeah. Things should work a certain way. We should expect that the rules of the house are being followed. The rules of the house are this list, two through four. Go review those things. The reason, that they, the reason that here uniquely, Paul tells Timothy, get away from these people. Get these people out. And it wasn't just Timothy. It happened in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, probably the least read chapter in anybody's Bible, they literally threw out of their church someone who was in sexual immorality. Threw them out of the church. You know how you get into a church today? You show up and you say, hey, I'm in sexual immorality. Well, come on in. We're all there. Big party of immorality around here. We're a new progressive church. Woo! They threw them out. Threw them out. Yeah, the Bible that y'all read. You, 
We literally have affirming congregations. We affirm you in your sexual immorality. You affirm? Uh, like promote? Affirm? It's not okay, y'all. We should have a standard for how we expect the household of God to work, and this is how it works. From such, turn away. Now, I'm giving you all of this because this is the word of God, not the word of Steve, the word of God. I didn't make up the rules. I didn't define it. I didn't write it. If you got, ang if you got anger issues, call Paul. Talk to Timothy. When you get to heaven. But until then, go through these things and look and see if any of these things are in, their li in your life. If they're not, we are supposed to be the people that can never be implicated in these areas. I pray that you're those people. The hagios, the separated ones. Separated under divine use. Amen. We'll come back to this in the future. So I'd like to bless you. Please rise. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.